I just wanted to start this talk today a little bit by reading the scriptures and then um, saying a little bit about the passage and then the way it's going to go. I mean, we've been thinking about resources and I've got a few questions and a few thoughts. And then in the end, just to have like an open time of prayer um, as a reaction or as something that comes out of the reflection. So this is where where we're heading uh, this morning. So let's pray together. Father God, we acknowledge that we sit and stand in holy ground with your presence amongst us. Come and minister today to us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit and through the power of your Word as we think, as we chew over, as we are challenged, as as we are infused and given life by it. So Lord, take my thoughts, meditations of my heart, Lord, as my act of saying, I want to worship you through this, Lord. But also, Lord, take the attitude of our hearts, Lord, as open hearts coming and yearning to see you bring life to its fullness in our midst. And as we think, Lord, of this Advent as waiting for you, Lord, we're waiting here for you. And as that song goes, Lord, with our hearts open wide, come and minister to us today, we pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Pete Barton shared a little bit about the parable last Sunday, and uh, he mainly focused on the issue of time. We're going to read it today, and I'm going to be focusing more on the issue of the talents. That's why I've named this theme, What a Talent, the issue of resources. So we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to be starting by verse 14, and then um, we're going to be finishing probably um, by verse 26. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 26. Church Bibles, page 701. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also, the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled the accounts with them. 
the man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master said the same thing that he said to the first servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I I would have received it back with interest. Parable, a story from the daily life, and Jesus is trying to make a point here. Peter talked a little bit about time, and I think that's a very good stepping stone for us to be jumping to the theme today. Uh, Time is a big issue in our day and age. Um, Coming from the Mediterranean area, time is not that big of an issue. Everything happens tomorrow. Tomorrow. Having said that, I have come to this country, and I have found a new dimension of time. Sometimes time is mentioned or measured here with ish. And you bring the ish into the parable of the five talents, and it becomes an emergency. Jesus is talking about his coming here. The context is very clear. You read it in chapter 24. You read it in chapter 25. It's very clear that it's coming about. It's talking about his coming. And I think as we think of of Advent, I think we've got that coming of Jesus. Coming, yes, the reminder of him being the Lord Emmanuel with us, amongst us, taking or building the tabernacle, building, pitching a tent amongst us, what the version of um, message says, and living amongst us. But at the same time, Advent is a good reminder of what is that there yet to come. And it's his coming. And so time then becomes a big issue. Well, it becomes an emergency because... It's unknown when it's going to come. And therefore, the servants need to be ready at all times. 
ready at all times with the resources that they have in the time given, giving it all their best. A little bit with what you did with that star when the task was given with five minutes. Resources that you had and time given and the best you could. Let's go a little bit to the parable. And I don't want to over go into the detail because in the end of the day, it's just a story taken from everyday life just to make some points. But if we go to the resources, have a look at the, 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 the resources that these guys had. The first guy was given five talents. Now, whenever we think of talents, we think of coins. But talent was a measuring unit. It was a measuring unit. And five talents probably, um, well, one talent in those days, if you read the commentaries and stuff like that, equaled 16 and a half years of work. So five talents sum up the whole lifetime's savings and work and what have you. So the, 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 the whole picture, the whole story that Jesus is sharing here goes in extreme just to make the point that actually it is very important. So here we've got this guy who's been given actually a life savings. All his life savings have been entrusted to this first servant. And he says, go and do something with it. The second person gets 32 years of work worth, 33. That's quite big. And then the first servant gets 16 and a half. And they all have been entrusted with this, co- with this units according to their abilities. And you can see that Jesus doesn't spend any time in telling the story that Did they argue? Probably they knew who they were. And probably the master knew them very well in order for them to be trusted with so many units, so to say. And having said that, I think the most staggering thing for me on this parable is um, in verse, I think it's verse 19. After a long time. If we were going to be somewhere in the middle of this parable, I think as God's people, as church people, we would be somewhere between verses 18 and 19. But there is something that is very certain. That the master returns. Even though, I've never noticed that before, it was... A long time. Even though in this long time they had been entrusted with the talents to go and be fruitful and faithful. The master was going to come home, that was certain. When? They didn't know. And he returns home after a long time. Let's look a little bit at the characters. The first two guys are quite out there. 
take five, get on with it. Take two, get on with it. The third person, the third servant, I think you see the tone of fear that motivates the guy. And I think it's more the fear of losing those 16 and a half years of work. The fear of losing the value that has been entrusted to him. And therefore, he's going to do whatever is the safest thing possible. So whenever the master comes back, he says, actually, I will be rewarded for looking after so preciously. I've hidden it somewhere where nobody else knows. And I know the place. I have marked it. So when the master comes back, at least I will be rewarded that nobody has stolen it from me. Nobody has misplaced it. And I'll not be looking and be perplexed of what I've done with it. It is safe. And therefore, I'm going to dig a hole and bury it. And that's what he does. Whereas the other two servants, I think they take the risk. They take the risk of the whole life's investments and they say, well, the master has entrusted them to us. Let's do something crazy with it. And this something crazy turns out to be that it doubles until, well, it it doubles during this long time until the time when the master returns. For both cases, five becomes ten and two becomes four. So there is this risk and fear element here that is very, very clear in this parable. And when it comes to our resources, I very easily forget the fact that God has entrusted me as an individual, and I easily forget that God has entrusted us as a community of faith with the resources to which we're going to be held accountable, like Pete reminded us last Sunday, but also to which we are kind of encouraged to be fruitful and faithful with. So yesterday, as I was driving, I was thinking, what are some of the resources that we think we could make use of? What are some of the resources that we think as a church we, have, we value them, we, we, they're very precious to us because we have inherited them from Jesus, but actually they're very safe somewhere. Or what are some of the resources that we've been entrusted from Jesus that we say, oh yeah, I believe that from the church, but we cannot speak up because we are so fearful of losing fame, popularity, friends, family, you name it. It's really tough. But the call of this parable is to be actually countercultural, is to be fearless, is to be risk-taking, because there is an emergency in the coming of the Master. There is an emergency 
that is attached to this unknown, that one we don't know when the master is coming. Now, one of the things that you don't know about me was that at one stage of my life, I worked as a night guard. I was doing two jobs a day. I took the night guard job very easily because I thought, oh well, they're going to pay me for sleeping, so I might as well do that. But the problem was that the institution where I was working with had a lot of computers and a lot of expensive stuff. And they had a lot of unwanted visitors. The funny thing was, with unwanted visitors, was that at one stage, I knew when they were going to come. And therefore, we would know what to do. Switch on the lights, make known our presence, and therefore, they would not be able to break in. Probably it was three or four o'clock in the morning. And then they tried that a few times, and they got the hang of it. That's saying, oh, these guys know that we come at four o'clock in the morning, and therefore we're going to change our time. So they, come, they, they would come and show up surprisingly at a different time. And then I stopped working as a guard because that meant that I had to be awake the whole night. A little bit like that. The master's coming is a guarantee. The unknown is a guarantee. The expectation to be ready is there for us to embrace. So we talked about fear. We talked about risk-taking. But I think there is a little bit more than that here. I think it talks about faithfulness. It tackles faithfulness in a very, very interesting way. Because it says, if you're asked to do something from your master, and you go ahead with do it, then faithfulness provides more blessing. And very clearly, the parable suggests that unfaithfulness results in loss, even in the loss of one's initial blessing. What do I mean by that? I think going back and forth in two countries is a big reminder for me of what we can do or what we're able to do with the resources that God has entrusted us and what a church in a different part of the world does with the resources that God has entrusted with them. And I think the, the missing point for the Western church is that we tend to forget to match up the resources that God has entrusted us with the good news of the gospel. I think there is compromise. I think we can do it. We can drive a van to Albania with no problem. 
we can sense as many boxes as we want to Albania with no problem. It's amazing what we can do as a church of the West. And I, I don't want to take that for granted. I just praise God for that. But the point for me is, coming especially from this trip, is that sometimes we get so much focused on the resources that we've got that we tend to leave the emergency elements of the master's coming at the side. And therefore, the good news of Jesus is not anymore an emergency good news. It just becomes a very regular part of everyday life. And there hasn't got that cutting edge. I'm not saying this to criticize, but this is a reflection that I have, that as a church of the West, God, as individuals, God has entrusted us with talents, with gifts, with abilities. And a bit like the parable, he's asking us today, saying that I have gifted you, I have enabled you with all these things. Where is your risk-taking? Where is your fearless approach? And where is your faithfulness? Because if these are visible, then the reward is going to be joy. The joy of the master. And that's what we want. This is what the scripture encourages us. This is what I long to see in this church. This is what I long to see for myself. That I come to the joy of the master. Because I have been faithful. Because I have been fruitful. Because I have been fearless. Because I have been taking risks. Because I know that the master is coming. That's all I have to say for this morning. I just want to leave some space now, a minute or two, for us to reflect on this. And then probably have like a five or whatever, ten minutes, open prayer. And I would really like for us to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us as we pray and as we intercede for the church, for our church here, for the church in this country, for the church in the West, for the church where probably they haven't got the resources, but they still want to be faithful. I'm just going to leave it out there, but um, it will be good for us to stop and think and pray.